It's good to see you in the house of the Lord tonight. I was thinking good heavenly thoughts this afternoon. And one of those was how good some bluebell would be right now. Do I get a witness in the house? You keep coming Wednesday night. You're going to be surprised one of these nights. We're going to have a little Bible study and then we're going to go eat bluebell. We've been known to do that. You have your Bibles for a few moments tonight. Turn with me to the book of John chapter 19. John the 19th chapter. I'm going to read one verse for the sake of time. I could read many others and I will refer to many others. Um, as we go along, but for the sake of time, let's read John 19 and verse number 30. John 19 and 30. And the scripture says, When Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, It is finished. I wish that I could say it the way it is stated in the original text. It was a cry of victory. It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. But we know that that was not the end. It was not the end. It was just a transition. When I was looking at this verse, my mind got stuck on one word and I, I thought, wow, that's, I'm going to preach about that. And I overlooked the most important word. I love the word finished. Amen. How many of you want to be finishers? Amen. But while I thought on this, it it came so clearly to me that really the important word is it. Everybody say it. So my subject tonight is this. Finishing it. Not letting it finish you. Amen. Would you say that with me? Finishing it and not letting it finish you. Everybody said amen. You may be seated. I love those three words. It is finished. In the Greek, it's actually one word. Telestia. And it was a word of ultimate triumph. I, I want that, that statement, I want that word to be recorded about my life as well. That I finished. I didn't get finished, uh, but I finished. It was the apostle Paul who in his uh, waning hours of time wrote to Timothy and said, I have fought a good fight. I have finished the course. I've kept the faith. I am inspired by those words because I I want to be a finisher. I don't want to be finished. I don't want to be taken out of the way, but I want to be able to triumph over all of the adversities and the vicissitudes of life, whatever I'm called to deal with or whatever I'm called to live through or face or whatever I have to suffer or whatever I have to endure, I want it said of me that he finished. Amen. He finished. He didn't give up. He didn't quit. He didn't throw in the towel. He didn't cry about 
how bad life was, but he found a way to make it through. I believe it's important that we learn to live beyond it. Because every one of us are dealing with an it of some kind in our life. It describes a lot of things. If you go to Webster's ways that it can be, there's a whole list of, of uh, ways that it can be uh, described or it can be explained. It could be he or she people, uh, it could be situations, it could be a point of view, it could be something reported or said or told, it could be an experience that you've been through, or it could be a crisis that you're having to deal with. It involves a lot of things, and we all have some it's. I know we all have some other things in life, but we all have to live with some it's. People, problems, crisis, troubles, uh, things that are said about us, uh, reports that are fabricated, experiences that we go through. It has caused us a lot of grief in life. There are times that I don't even know what it is because I can't name it. It's like the six-toed giant in the Old Testament. It's a freak. I don't know how to explain what I'm going through, but I'm going through some stuff. And it is difficult. It is troublesome. It is wearisome to have to deal with this. It causes us a lot of trouble in life. And I would like for you just for a moment to consider what your it is. And I want you to think about it while I'm talking to you tonight. I don't want you to get lost in it. I just want you to think about it. Amen. What is it that you're dealing with? What is it? that you are frustrated over or you are angry about or you cannot understand or there seems to be no answer for? What is it that you have been called to live through or to live with that you cannot find reason for? It causes us a lot of trouble. Sometimes it is a person. We all have people problems at times in life. We like to get along, but sometimes it's just hard to live with it. Amen. We, we, we don't like to talk about our troubles, but all of us have them. It's like so much of life. There's a common denominator that all of us experience and you don't escape it no matter who you are. You may go a long time without it surfacing, but sooner or later it will show up. And it often shows up at the most inopportune time. And it happens when you least expect it. Uh, you don't Wake up in the morning anticipating it, but it's there. Are you getting my message so far? It. Everybody say it. It. But I love what Jesus said. Filled moment in his hour, in that pressure-filled moment in his life. He did not say, I am finished, but it is finished. What did it represent? Obviously, more than I could comprehend, but a few things that came to mind was the curse of sin.
and the dominion that sin had had over mankind, it was finished. He had dealt with it, with his sacrificial life. He was offering himself as that sacrifice of all sacrifices so that it would be dealt with forever. The Bible says in Hebrews that he went in once and for all. Once and for all time and once and for all people and once and for all sin. No matter what your situation or my situation, my failure, my shortcomings, he took care of it on the cross. Amen. I'm thankful that he took care of it. At the cross. Hallelujah. Amen. Not only was it over, was it finished, was it accomplished, it was not the end, but it was truly the beginning for people who understood what it represented because it had not conquered him. It had not won the victory. It had not overwhelmed him. It had not defeated him, but he had defeated it. And that's what I want the epitaph of my life to say is that he didn't get finished by it, but he finished it. Amen. I want to live beyond the it's in life. Amen. I want to outlive the nightmares. I want to outlive the suffering. I want to outlive the pain. I want to outlive the lies. I want to outlive the unfairness. I want to live beyond whatever it has been trying to do to me, whatever it has tried to do to mess with my thinking and to mess with my spirit. I want to be able to live beyond it. Amen. And he did. He finished it. It didn't finish him. And I want that to be said of all of us. I listened as we were singing a little while ago. I want to be able to maintain my attitude of praise and worship. Amen. We sang about it. I will always worship you. I will always. That comes from the psalmist David who said, I will bless the Lord at all times. The 34th Psalm. Amen. All times. That means the good times and the bad times, the fair times and the unfair times. It doesn't matter what my circumstance is, my circumstance is not going to determine my attitude toward God. Have a brother Dwayne said earlier, God's been too good to me for me to not have a spirit of thanksgiving in my life and take a moment and say, thank you, Lord. I'm still here. Thank you that I'm still living. Thank you that I have overcome. Thank you that it hasn't gotten me, but I'm going to get it before it's done. Amen. How many times have we been sidetracked by it? How many times have we been distracted by it? Amen. So distracted that we forgot how important our praise was. And we let it become such a problem in our life that we forgot how big God was. We become so aware of our giants that we've forgotten that God is on our side. And we're like Saul and his army that was hiding in their tents, terrified of Goliath who was coming out and threatening them every morning and evening. And it took a shepherd boy that didn't know a lot about it, but he knew a lot about God. And when he stepped into that atmosphere, he said, oh, no, it's not going to get the best of us. We're going to get the best of it. 
I want to maintain that attitude of praise at all times. And it's, it's easy for us to talk about that when everything's going well. But I'm telling you, I've had to preach too many times to those blank stares when I know what you're going through and I know the pain that some of you are suffering and I see that distant look of disconnect and all I'm trying to do is just be a signal man on the highway and say, hey, get your mind back on what really matters. It's not it that matters. It's God that matters. It's not what you're going through that really is a concern. It's what you're going to that is more important. Amen. You see, the cross wasn't the end. It was just a thoroughfare to get to a better place. A glorified body on the other side. And when we go through these things, all that God's trying to accomplish in us is a better you or a better me. He's trying to bring us to a little bit more perfection, a closer walk with Him. And so instead of looking at it as being the terminus or the end of our life, we need to understand it's just a passage that's going to take us to a a better place. And if we can stand, if we can stand it, we can overcome it. Amen. Thank God for somebody who finishes. Amen. Thank God for one who gave us a great example of how to Beat it, not let it beat us. Amen. The cross was a terrible way to die. As I have mentioned to you just a few weeks ago, it was one of the most cruel and humane ways of death ever thought of by man. There were some that had perfected the art of the crucifixion, but it was believed that the reason that some crucified was because they felt the criminal was a contaminant and they wanted to rid the earth of that contaminant and so they would hang them on a cross so they would have to die suspended between heaven and earth so they could not continue to pollute the world that they were in. Whatever the mindset is, cross the cross was the most cruel way for any man To consider dying. And when they nailed him to the cross. It was as if in some way. He was unwanted by both worlds. And yet the reality was. It was. It it was just a passage. Amen. We have in scripture. The last words of Jesus. In this trying ordeal. In this trying time. I don't know if you've ever taken the time to study the last sayings from the cross, but there's there's a powerful message and even a series of messages that could be put together about the last sayings. You'll find them recorded in Luke 23, verse 34, verse 43, verse 46, John chapter 19, where we read from tonight, verse 26, verse 28, verse 30, The seven last sayings of Christ from the cross. But when you sum it all up, you realize that it is a, it is, it it is an illustration to all of us of how to live through a really bad day. I mean, we're talking about a bad day. Amen. This wasn't over a week, it wasn't over a month, it wasn't over a year. All the things that they did to him happened in a day. And yet he survived and did more than survive, he thrived. Amen. There's a lot of bad things can happen to us in a day of time. And we get to thinking that that day is everything. But the truth is he showed us how to live through any kind of bad day. And to survive it in the process. And here is how to make it through it. Amen. To make it through it. And see a better day. And live in a better state of mind. And a better attitude. And a better spirit. And so for a few moments if you will. I have, there's 
I think five or six things that the Lord drew my attention to out of all of this, this, these verses that I gave to you. But I think this is how we overcome it and not allow it to overcome us. Are you ready? Number one, the very first words that he spoke in that situation and the very last word that he spoke was Father. He began his cries from the cross with the word Father and he ended his cries from the cross with the word Father. To me, that speaks one thing. If it speaks anything to me, it reminds me of how important it is to stay focused on what really matters when you're having a bad day. It reminds me of how critical it is for me to stay focused on the right things when I'm going through difficult things. Things that are hard to understand. Things that are unexplainable. Things that are unexcusable. There is no rhyme or reason. But it is important if I am going to overcome it and not let it overcome me. I'm going to have to learn where to keep my focus in those trying moments of my life. And I'm going to have to learn what is most important and what matters above everything else. And it's not the temporary that matters, but it is the eternal. And you hear me tonight. Too many of us make life changing decisions in temporary moments that if we had just held on for a little while longer, the clouds would have cleared and we would have known much better what to do than what we did at that moment of crisis. I have always told people, and I will continue, don't ever make a life-changing decision when you're in the midst of crisis. Because you're very apt to not be thinking with the right mind or thinking on the right things and focused on the right things. And when he's hanging there between heaven and earth, rejected it seems by both, and men were passing by and they were revile him and cursing him and they were telling him, come down and we will believe you. The very reason that he came into the world was that man would believe on him. And now he has the opportunity, it seems, to do that by just coming down. But he knew if he came down, he would never have finished it. But it would have finished him. Amen. It's important that you and I keep our eyes on the right thing when we're going through difficult times. Amen. I need to keep my attention on the things that matter. How important to be focused, not on the fear, not on the fatigue, not on the unfaithfulness, not on the weariness that surrounds me, but on Him. Amen. Somehow, I've got to see through it all to see Him. Because He's the one that will help me get through it all. When you're going through tough times, and some of you are going through them right now, and I don't, I, I, I wish that I could ease some of the pain that you're going through. It's so easy to get distracted by temporary things. We think this is the end of the world. And the reality is it's just a passing time in my life. But if we're not careful, that's what we get focused on. And we get, we get zoned in to that temporary situation. It's, and we make 
we make permanent decisions based on temporary situations. Amen. That's why it's so important that when you're going through trouble and you're dealing with things that are hard, when you're dealing with it, you know, you spirits that I claim. There's been times in my life when I have battled spirits that I could not define. All I know is that there was an oppression and there was a darkness that was trying to swallow me up. I couldn't put a name on it, but I knew it was as real as I am talking to you right now. I could not tell you what it was. I just knew that there was something that was trying to destroy me. And when you're in moments like that, it is not the time for you to try to figure out what that is you're fighting. It's time for you to get your eyes on the one that's going to fight for you. And forget about what's coming against you. Because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. So it doesn't matter what's coming against me. God... If he be for me, who can be against me? And there's greater things on my side than there are on their side. Amen. When you're going through tough times, it's so easy to get distracted by the temporary. And you get so distraught over the temporary. And you get so angry over the temporary. And you say some hateful things over temporary things. And you let it get the best of you. And you let it defeat you. And Jesus helped us understand that if you're going to get through it, this is how you're going to do it. Keep your eyes focused on the only thing that matters. And that's the Lord. Amen. Other things, you may look at them, but don't, don't look to them. There is a difference. There's a difference in just being somewhere and abiding somewhere. You understand that? I think you do. But you can be at the mall. But I hope you don't abide at the mall. I mean, that means you settle down. That's your home ground. That's where you are comfortable. Maybe you're more comfortable there than I think, but... I don't want to abide at a mall. I want to go to a mall, but I want to abide in his presence. I want to abide under the shadow of the Almighty. That's where I want to abide. That's where I want my location to be. I may be temporarily in one setting, but that's not what's going to define my life. And so I'm learning how, how important it is that I, I, I find a dwelling place. Amen. That I find a cleft in the rock. That I find a hiding place. I find a rock that cannot be moved. Amen. And I hide under the shadow of that rock. I find my strength in the shadow of His presence. I'm not intimidated by the shadow of other things. I'm comforted by the shadow of His almightiness. Amen. There's nothing He can't handle. There's nothing He can't deal with. I had a friend of mine tell me today, was, we were talking about some scriptures and he reminded me of, of, of Jairus when he came to the master with his desperate knee. He had an issue. Serious issue. is able to be done the only, and he didn't know what to do and there was nothing that seemed to be able to be done. The only solution was for him to come and beg the Lord to come to his house. And so he begs the Lord, and he turns and walks with him. And as they're going back, there's an interruption, and a woman with another issue interrupts the whole caravan, touches the hem of his garment. He's delayed. News comes while they're lingering that the child that was at the point of death has now died. 
And Jesus turned to him and said, don't be afraid. Ignore what they're saying. Keep listening to what I'm saying. We're going on to your house. So the point of the, uh, of the whole scenario is it doesn't matter what your issues are in life. God has an answer for your issues. And whatever that issue is, God knows how to take care of us because he's almighty. And when we live in his almightiness, there's no it that can defeat us. There's no it that can embitter us. There's no it that can fill us full of hatred and venom because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. You want to know how to live through a bad day? Stay focused on what matters. I want to ask you a question. Most of the stuff in life that you get stressed out about and you go off on a tangent on, Is it really going to matter in five years? Is it going to matter in ten years? As a matter of fact, most of you won't remember a week from now what you were mad about tonight. But we can lose a lot of peace. We can lose a lot of joy. We can lose a lot of fellowship. We can ostracize people from our life because we get hung up on something that's going to pass, some it that's irritating us, and we allow it to get the best of us when the reality is we ought to be getting the best of it. And the way to get the best of it is keep your eyes focused on the one that matters. It doesn't matter. He matters. Number two, he said, Father, forgive them. I I know that I mentioned this a few weeks ago, but I, I want to tell you something. I, I think you understand this, but I want to remind you that I I might preach about this a lot, but it's an issue that needs to be preached about a lot because forgiveness and unforgiveness is a matter that troubles all of us. And you don't just forgive somebody and it's said and done. Forgiveness is a, is a lifestyle. Forgiveness is a spirit in which you have to learn to live. He said, Father, forgive them. What is he saying? He's saying that it is not going to embitter me. It is not going to fill me with hatred. It is not going to make me hard. It is not going to make me edgy. It isn't going to make me like it. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Forgive a continual basis in our life. issue that every one of us struggle with on a continual basis in our life. And it's difficult to keep it out of our spirits the best that we try. Because it has been my experience that unforgiveness more often than not is justifiable. Amen. Well, nod your head, all right? Just let me know you're still alive. It's justifiable. I mean, if you consider the circumstances, why shouldn't you be unforgiving? Why why should you let them off the hook? I mean, they hurt you. They lied on you. They did things intentionally to damage you. And you want me to let that go? And so we struggle with this on a continual basis. But guess what? We're not the only one that's ever struggled with that. Jesus was preaching and teaching one day. And and after he had done a great deal of ministry and work, Peter finally 
got the courage to say something he evidently had been wanting to ask about for a while. And this is what he said. He said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes I read scripture and and it doesn't register on me just exactly what is said. But I don't know that I've ever really let that register with me. How often should I forgive the man or the woman who sins against me? Implying it was intentional, not accidental. And Peter's feeling kind of good about his spiritual insight. He felt like maybe he had a word on how to deal with this. And he said, is it seven times seven? Will that make me clean? Will that keep me away from that spirit? Will that keep that spirit away from me? Jesus smiled and said, oh, you got part of it right. But you don't have the gist of it. How about 70 times 7? Now, the phrase in the Greek did not indicate just a number. It indicated an attitude. Amen. It indicated a spirit in which a person would live. You and I have got to learn every day how important it is to let go and let God Forgive. Forgiveness is not letting them off the hook. It's freeing you from the responsibility of being the judge when you really don't have all that you need to know in order to make that kind of judgment. And the only one that does is the one that oversees us all. And so when I forgive, I'm not letting anybody off the hook. I'm helping myself. I'm helping myself stay in a place where it does not bitter me, where it it does not overcome me, where it does not embitter me, where it does not make me angry. I let go of that so that it cannot control me. Amen. Now, it seems, and I... I wanted to call Dr. Hughes and ask him, but I didn't get the chance. But Luke 23, 43, when, when this statement is made, it appears from the language of the Greek text. And I'm not a Greek scholar. I only know enough to get me in trouble. But I do understand the roots and that in the Greek language, there are certain tenses and there are certain ways of saying something that indicate not a one-time statement, but something that is repeated over and over and over again. And it appears that from the language that Luke used in writing of that incident, that what he said when he said, Father, forgive them, was not a one-time statement. But it indicates that he continued. When they drove the nails in, Father, forgive them. When they put the crown of thorns on his head, Father, forgive them. When they beat him in his back, Father, forgive them. Whatever they were doing to him, he continually was saying, Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. Why? Was he trying to convince himself that God would? No, he was just maintaining in his own spirit that it is not going to defeat me. I'm going to defeat it. It's not overcoming me, but I am overcoming it. Amen. Amen. The only way to live through bad things is to maintain a spirit of forgiveness. Amen. While they were doing those evil things to him, he forgave them. While they were talking about him, he forgave them. When they walked by and ridiculed him, he was forgiving them. Amen. What a powerful example. 
It is the only way to keep out of your heart anything that would encourage bitterness. And folks, bitterness is a dangerous root to ever get in your life or mine. Amen. The root is so dangerous once it gets embedded. It's very hard to uproot. Bitterness at people's treatment of you. Bitterness at the unfairness of life. Bitterness over not getting any breaks in life. Bitterness over people misrepresenting you or misrepresenting what you said. Feeling as though others are favored, but you never get any breaks. Amen. you got to get rid of that. You can't allow that to get rooted. Amen. Because it's poison. And it will do nothing but poison your whole system. Father, forgive them. I want to learn how to live in an attitude of forgiveness. And the only way I can do that is every morning get up and say, Lord, forgive me as I forgive those who trespass against me. Every day saying, Lord, I need your help. I don't know how to deal with this. Forgive me if my attitude's wrong. Forgive me if my spirit is not right. I do not fear it. A dirty, filthy, polluted spirit in my life. And I have to work on that every day because I have an attitude just like you do. And people hurt my feelings just like they hurt your feelings. And people do things just like they do to you. And you think, oh, you're the preacher. You're supposed to be Superman. You're the Teflon Don. Nothing sticks on you. Wrong. Wrong. It hurts just as much when they say bad things about me as it does when they say bad things about you. But you know what? I've learned. I can get involved in that fight or I can let God fight my battles for me. And I've learned this much through hard knocks. I've lost too many of those. (laughs) When I've taken it in my own hands, I've lost too many of those. And even the ones that I won, I lost. You know, you can win an argument and lose a friend. And you can always be right and yet be wrong. Amen. Father, forgive them. Why? Because I'm not going to let it get in my heart. I'm not going to let it bitter me or embitter me. I'm not going to let it make me hate. I'm not going to let it make me mean. You know, I've been around people in life that are mean as snakes. And you look at them and you wonder, what in the world makes them so mean? I mean, it's like, ooh, what is this? But then you hear a little bit about their story and you realize the problem is that they let it get the best of them. Now, I'm talking to somebody right now that you are letting it get the best of you right now. And God sent me on a Wednesday night to tell you that's not his will for your life. Whatever it is, you need to understand that you can overcome it and not let it overcome you. How do I do it? You've got to go back to first grade. You've got to go back to kindergarten. And you've got to start with getting your mind on the right thing. And you've got to go to the next level of, of, of forgiving and just let, let go. Amen. Everybody say let go. Number three, I'm hurrying. I've noticed this, but I haven't really been able to understand it until today. I preached about this a while back. The Bible said that when they offered him the wine mixed with gall, According to tradition, that was a narcotic. It was given to all of those who were crucified to help numb the pain. And yet when they offered him that 
that wine mixed with, with gall or whatever it was, the mixture was. He refused that, but John said he accepted the vinegar. Now, how many of you have ever drank any vinegar in your life? I hope you didn't get it before church. Maybe that's why you're not smiling right now. I don't know. Now, I didn't even think about that until right now. Not what I just said, but this. I better not tell you that, though. It might get me in trouble. He drank the bitterness. He went ahead and swallowed the unfairness and got that out of the way. He went ahead and swallowed the bitterness of not getting any breaks and just accepting, folks, I don't know if you know this yet, but life ain't fair. Now, some of you must not realize that. You had not figured that out yet. But I'm going to tell you, you're going to figure it out one of these days. Life is not fair. I mean, you, you can live as clean and godly and pure and holy and the person next door to you live like a devil and they don't ever seem to have one trouble and all you do is have one trouble on top of another. I don't have an answer for that. I don't know why God leaves a Hugh Hefner or a Larry Flint who who propagated pornography into America in a way that has affected our society and vulgared the, the values and degraded the humanity of women. And yet they lived and people that were clean and godly and pure died. Now I know they finally died, but... I'm just saying that there's a lot of things about life that just don't make a lot of sense. God, if you're going to take somebody out, take that idiot that's been trying to run me off the road. If you're going to take somebody, take that that pedophile, that child molester. There's just a lot of things about life that we don't understand and we're never going to understand. And it's not for me to understand. It's for me to live the life that God gives me to live and learn that you can overcome it and not let it overcome you. I'm going to keep saying that until it gets in your mind. It is not going to get the best of me. Amen. It's okay. It's okay to realize that Hatred is a real thing, but I want to get rid of it. Feeling as though others favored you or, or disfavored you or rejected you can, can cause a lot of, of strong feelings. And that's bitter. But you know what he did? He just accepted that. He just swallowed that. And this is what I, what came to me a while ago. They are, they are discovering now and they have over the last few years how helpful vinegar really is to the human body. Apple cider vinegar is one of the most healthy things you can do for yourself. Because drinking it actually helps detox your body. It's good for blood pressure. It's good for sugar problems. If you don't believe that, go read the scientist. We don't want it though. I'd rather be unhealthy. <laughs> but believe it or not, I'm, I'm, I'm actually taking some of it right now. But the truth is, When you learn in life to accept the fact that there's some bitter things that if you'll just swallow it, get it over with, it'll actually help purify your life. Amen. It'll actually help cleanse you of some things that you don't need. Amen. Number three, 
or whatever number I'm on. What am I on? Four? I've lost count. All right, number four. The Bible says in these passages in John and Luke that he cried out. There's several times that it mentions he cried out. He cried out. One time he cried out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? One time he cried out, I thirst. And when I read that, it reminded me that when you are dealing with it, it's okay to be human. Amen. When people are going through tough times, more often than not, we try to act like Superman or Superwoman. We're invincible. We're indestructible. Amen. We are, we're just, we just, we just have it. And yet, he was not ashamed of being vulnerable and expressing his humor. There's nothing wrong with the fact that you and I are still human. And that our humanity shows through every once in a while. But just because my humanity shows through doesn't mean my humanity wins. It doesn't mean that my humanity has joined forces with it. It's just an acknowledgement that I'm human. It would do a lot of us good just to go home tonight, look in the mirror and say to yourself, you know what, it's okay for you to be human. Quit being Superman. Quit having all the answers. Quit knowing everything. And quit telling everybody what you know. (laughs) You know, it's amazing. Some people you get around, they got an answer for every question. They have answers even when there are no questions. They know it all. You don't even have to talk. All you do is just listen. You can learn a whole lot. You know what I learned a whole lot of when I was younger? Nobody knows everything. And what I learned in my short journey of life is that anybody that acts like they know everything don't know doodly. And I don't usually listen to them. I'm not wasting my time listening to somebody drivel on about something that they don't really know anything about. It's okay. I've discovered that it's okay to be vulnerable before the Lord. It's okay to tell the Lord, God, I can't handle this. I I don't know if I can handle, I don't know how much further. It's, there's nothing wrong with us saying that. Sometimes we act like we backslid or we, we, we blaspheme because we say, oh God, I can't handle anymore. Spiritual than that. We should be more, beat our minds up and beat us up. Because we should be more spiritual than that. We should be more, we, we, we should be more powerful and more anointed. Well, you know what? I've learned something about living for God. You can talk in tongues every day. You can read your Bible all day long and you're still going to run up against some things in the flesh that you don't have an answer for and you cannot find a remedy for. And there's nothing wrong with you saying, you know what? This is wearing me out. Amen. It's not a sign of weakness to cry. As long as you're crying out to the right one. You see, there's a lot of people that cry. They cry on Facebook. They cry on Twitter. They cry on the telephone. But they're crying to the wrong people. They don't need to hear about your trouble. They need to, they don't, they got their own trouble. You need to take that to the Lord and just cry out to Him. You know why I love to pray by myself? Because I can say things to God then that I don't want anybody else to hear. Now I love praying with everybody else, but I can't get close as I need to get until I'm by myself and I can just pour it out and say, God, I have messed up so badly. I am so pathetic. I can't even believe how weak I am. 
But I'm not confessing that to my enemy. I'm confessing that to my God who loves me. My enemy would take that and use it against me to destroy me, but God will never use it to hurt me. He's going to take it and make it work for my good. Amen. I'm closing. Remember that others are suffering too. That you're not alone in your battle. You're not alone in dealing with it. Because everybody has their it. Sometimes we feel like we're the only person having to go through these things. And nobody understands the troubles I have. Nobody knows the woes that I live through. And so we tell our story as if nobody's ever heard a story like that. (laughs) And yet the reality is they have a story too. And what I read, when I read this again, I discovered that while he was hanging there, suffering through all of this, going through this bad, 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 bad day, there were others that were there with him. There was one on each side. And one of them said, Lord, remember me. And the Lord remembered him. Remember that others are suffering not just you. So the thing that I've learned about dealing with these things, dealing with my it's in life, is that if you'll take the time to look around, you'll discover that there's somebody else dealing with an it. And if I will start trying to pour myself into helping them overcome their it, I wind up overcoming my it. He offered help to a man that didn't deserve any help. That probably he didn't even know who he was. But he offered him help. He learned this, that when I'm mentioned from himself to others. And I have learned this, that when I'm going through things... One of the best ways to get my mind off of my pain and my problem is to find somebody else to help along life's highway. And if you'll just look around, there's people there. I told this before, but I just feel like I need to tell it. I I, I want to tell it again. When Celicia had her brain hemorrhage years ago when she was 11 years old, I don't know, you can't even describe the devastation that my wife and I felt. And we stood there at Memorial Southeast and watched Life Flight take her away. And we didn't know whether when we saw her again, she would be alive or dead. The doctors had not given us any hope. And we got in our vehicle and we drove as fast as we could to Texas Children's Hospital. And came in, we were ushered into a private room with a surgeon and he gave us the worst possible uh, report that you could have. There's nothing we can do. There's the brain's hemorrhaged and the blood is in the, in the central part of her brain. It affects the breathing part. It affects the mobility of her left side. There's absolutely nothing we can do. And uh, she's probably not going to make it through the next three days. And I remember walking in that ICU ward for the first time, and in my mind, I'm thinking, oh, God, things it's, this couldn't be real. This can't be true. And thinking, man, it's just, this is, I, I don't know of anybody that's got it this bad right now. And while we're there, we look across the end of the bed, and there's another family. And in the, in, in, in the process of, being helped to one another, we discovered that they had been there for months. I forgot how long at that time, but months. Months. Not a day, but months. And then when we walked on through, we saw other situations that within the day, they passed. And I remember hearing the the parents and the grandparents weeping. And I realized, as bad as things were, there were some things going on around us that was even worse than our situation. And I've just learned this much about life. 
I don't care how hard life is on you right now. I don't care what you're dealing with. If you'll just stop long enough to look around you, there's somebody else that's going through something worse than you are. And I'll tell you what will help you. If you'll get your mind off of yourself and start trying to help somebody else. We played music for her every day. Every day. We played music for her. The first motion that she made when she became conscious, her little finger did this and it took us a while to figure out, but we realized she wanted that tape turned back on. She wanted that music going again. In the process of dealing with our problems, though, one of the parents said to us, do you mind if, could could y'all come and pray for our son? Could you... Could, could you come and let play that music for our son? Amen. I'm just telling, if you open your eyes and you look around, as bad as things may be, there's somebody else that's hurting just as much or more. And if you'll take the time to minister to them, God will minister to you. You can have ears for others while you're going through your own will. Do what you can to make someone else's road a little easier and you'll find that your road is a little easier as well. And then I'm stand with me. I am through. Last but not least, in this passage of Scripture, if you read, you will find these words that it was dark from noon until 3 p.m. Darkness covered the earth for the space of three hours. Now we can look at that in one of two ways. Darkness over the whole earth is a terrible thing. And three hours is a long time to be in darkness. But the fact is, God put a limit on how long it was going to be dark. And he said, when that time is up, darkness, you go back where you belong. (laughs) The psalmist said, weeping may endure for a night, but joy is coming in the morning. It's not going to last forever. And whatever it is that you're going through and dealing with, if you'll just hang on, there is going to be an end to it. No storm lasts forever. No night lasts forever. The sun's going to come up. You know what the Lord showed me about that scripture in Psalm? I'd never even paid attention to it. But the scripture says, weeping may endure for a night. Remember that? Now, in our mind, we don't even, we don't even let the word may register. In our mind, weeping is going to endure for the night. But the psalmist said it's only a possibility. But the reality is joy is coming in the morning. So what are you going to do? Are you going to get hung up in what could be? Are you going to start looking for what will be? There's going to be an end to this journey. There's going to be an end to this trial. There's going to be an end to this pain. There's going to be an end to this ordeal. It's not going to last forever. And so I'm going to keep my eyes focused on Him. Because I don't want it to overcome me. I want to overcome it. Lift your hands to him right now. Let's just praise him. Hallelujah. We love you, Lord. I thank you for your mercies today, God. I thank you for your grace, Lord. I thank you for your hand that has seen us through. Hallelujah. I thank you for your spirit that has been an ever-abiding spirit. And no matter what we're going through, Lord, no matter what we're dealing with, no matter what we're facing, 
it is not greater than the God who is with us. Hallelujah. Help us, Lord, to understand that it's going to pass. Hallelujah. Weeping may come or it may not come. We don't know. Amen. But I know one thing that is coming. The Lord's coming. Joy's coming. Amen. Victory's coming. What are you looking for? You, you, you looking for that dreaded knock at the door with the bad news? Are you looking for that blessed hope? The glorious appearing of our Lord and Savior. He's going to show up. He's going to show up at the right time. And He's going to show up at the right moment. Amen. And tonight, I'm not worried about what I'm having to go through because I know I'm going to get through it. What I'm excited about is what's coming. Amen. What's coming. There was a moment of time today when my heart became overwhelmed with a little bit of fear. I was thinking about where we're going, our future as a church, and what, how we're going to get, how we're going to get there, and the financial things that just, all those numbers that are going through your mind, and you're thinking, oh God, I don't, I can't even think in those terms. And all of a sudden the Lord swept into that little room and He said, hold on a second. You're forgetting something. This isn't about you, this is about me. And I'm going to be the one that's going to help you. I'm going to be the one that's going to see you through. Amen. Praise God. So stop getting hung up on it. Amen. It's going to pass. It's going to come to an end. But joy is never going to end. Peace is never going to end. Holy Ghost is never going to end. Amen. Aren't you thankful you got the Holy Ghost tonight? Oh, come on. Let's praise Him one more time. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.